0: All right, we are live. Uh, Following California's lead, several states are now supporting a plan that would ban the sale of gasoline-powered cars by the year 2035. Similar plans have been proposed in the UK and elsewhere, and while the plan aims to replace these vehicles with an electric option, I'm starting to wonder if this is part of a larger plan to end the era of personal automobile automobiles entirely. Also, in response to Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, China has announced that they are suspending cooperation with the world in the fight against climate change. We're going to talk about this and more on episode 361 of the In the Tank podcast. All right, welcome to the In The Tank podcast. As always, I am your host, Donald Kendall. And joining me today, I've got Jim Likely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir?
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm in a bit of a grumpy mood, which is not a surprise to any of our listeners. Uh, I'm having a root canal uh, tomorrow, oh. so that's uh, helped to sour pretty much my whole week. Looking forward to my Friday morning with a root canal. So, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring some of that root canal fear energy into the pod today.
0: Oh, we have a video from the uh, White House press secretary that might rival the pain of that root canal but we'll see. Also joining us Chris Talgo, senior editor here at the Heartland Institute. How
2: are you doing today, good sir? Doing good and just want to wish everybody a happy last couple of days of summer. Go out, enjoy it because pretty soon it's going to be fall and then it's going to be winter and then it's going to be spring and we're going to be fe- uh, we're going to be really fiending for summer. So go out there and enjoy it everybody. That is right. That is right. Um, So
0: before we get going, just a couple of things that uh, we should say right off the top. One is there's a postcard right over Jim's shoulder that is highlighting the Heartland's 39th? 38th. 38th. uh, See, the editor fact checks me. 38th annual benefit dinner for the Heartland Institute featuring Yeomi Park, who is a North Korean defector and activist. She's going to be in the Chicagoland area for our event. It's going to be a great, uh, great event. So it's taking place October 21st, which is a Friday. Uh, Check it out at our website, heartland.org. There'll be a nice little thing right on the top featured link, or you can go to benefit.heartland.org for ticket information. Jim, anything you want to add to that?
1: No, we really hope to see a lot of, uh, I know we have listeners really around the world, which is, which is great. But uh, I know a lot of you here are here in Illinois in the Chicagoland area. This is a chance to meet the people at the Heartland Institute. Um, Actually, we are, uh, I guess I can confirm it now, Uh, AM560 radio host Dan Proft is expected to be our Master of Ceremonies. So uh, he'll also have something great to say from this stage. So it's going to be a fantastic night for freedom. It's a great way to support the Heartland Institute, and it will be a night you won't forget. So we hope to see you there.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And always that message that I put out there at the beginning of all these episodes for those audio-only listeners that are probably catching the show on a Friday, join us live on Thursdays at noon central time, streaming on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Rumble uh, you can join the conversation, put your comments and, and questions. Maybe we'll show your comment on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And also, because we're streaming this on multiple YouTube channels, uh, w- one of the reasons being some of the controversial things that we say have uh, uh, made YouTube target us uh, and want to shut down our entire channel. So we created the In The Tank channel on youtube which you might be watching it on some of our more controversial topics might only be aired on that channel but uh i know we're getting more of a lively and uh you know the fan base that's that's kind of talking to each other and all of that so instead of spreading you across multiple channels if you all go to the main heartland channel to watch our video you can all kind of talk with each other during the show so that's something that we want to encourage But anyways, we got a lot to talk about, which seems to be a theme of every week. There isn't a shortage on things to talk about. It's a crazy world that we're living in. And uh, we were going to originally open up the show with a discussion about the ambitions of the the latest generation, the Gen Gen Zers, and how a third of them want to be social media influencers. (laughs) That's their ambitions for life. But instead... Maybe we'll kick that for another week because I think there is a, an interesting discussion to be had there. Let's start off with a bang. So Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, has recently been saying a lot of very negative things about what he calls MAGA Republicans. There's a there's a bunch of clips and we have some uh, queued up here. But one of them, I think it was said during like a private event. And I'm just going to read the quote here. He says, it's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, I'm just going to say something, it's like semi-fascism. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and our economic security, they're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace, embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. So this is uh, this is coming from the guy that uh, wanted to unite the country after the whole divisive era that was the Trump presidency, and he says something like that. So uh, I want to I want to bring Jim and, and Chris into the discussion, get your takes on on this quote. But let's go ahead and play this this video montage here uh, of some of the nasty things that these people have to say about so called MAGA Republicans. Go ahead and play that video.
2: Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division, but we've chosen a different path, forward, the future, <laughs> unity, hope, and optimism. These guys never stop, and we're never going to stop either. <laughs> Tough know, The president
3: thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, the president has been clear as he can be on that particular, uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms, uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. Uh, they just don't respect the rule of law. you heard that from, uh, the president, uh, and, um, you know, they are pursuing an agenda uh, that takes away people's rights, So, which is what the president said last week on Thursday. You all heard him. This is what the president said yesterday, and that's what he's going to continue to say. And here's the thing, the President's not going to shy away uh, to call out uh, what he clearly sees is happening in this country. And uh, you know, again, MAGA Republicans are this extreme part of their party, and that is just facts, and that's what he's going to continue to lay out.
0: Oh, gentlemen, I saw a clip recently uh, of, of Joe Biden talking about the January 6 riots, saying that Trump supporters stormed the Capitol and killed several police officers yeah. in the process. Mm-hmm. Just a complete and utter lie, just a complete and utter lie. But the rhetoric just seems to be getting increasingly heated now. I mean, so much for this guy being a uniter in chief, huh? Jim, you want to take first whack at this? Well,
1: uh, I mean, he. He and his administration have characterized, now it's repeatedly, we can say repeatedly, half this country as fascists, uh, you know, and and of course, our our own FBI, our own FBI, that's a joke. The (laughs) FBI in this country has treated, uh, again, about half the country, people who frankly just oppose him politically as domestic terrorists. It's just casual. This happens with such casualness it's actually it that's what makes it kind of really frightening and angering is that this kind of uh this kind of rhetoric this kind of characterization from from the great uniter i mean i i almost grabbed a clip of him uh from his inauguration address in which he talked about you know unity and you know and in fact in that's in that clip that i did grab from his rally in maryland i think it was this week you know he talked about unity and united we can do anything we want uh united to him you know it, it, being united, being an American means being uh, being allowed to disagree. In fact, disagreement is like a hallmark of a free society and especially the United States of America. But to Joe Biden and to the left and apparently to the entire Democratic Party, unless you go along with every bit of their agenda, you are an enemy of the state. You, you are you're only united if you all think the same and all um, you know support all of his policies. Um, I, I'm just trying to imagine if Trump had called the Democratic leadership in this country a threat to our democracy and semi-fascist, uh, I think he might even actually—if he said that—he would probably be immediately arrested. Uh, <laughs> there would be an actual coup. I, I'd imagine he would probably be arrested by somebody in the Pentagon and maybe even uh, put on trial. Maybe not even put on trial. Perhaps just summarily executed by for calling the Democratic leadership of this country a threat to our democracy and semi-fascist. And our th- this is happening from. The White House press, uh, you know, the the White House press spokesperson um, from the White House press room, I should say, and from the mouth of our own president, and our media just like eh, shrugs, oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying again. I'm trying to imagine. If this, again, was was turned around and, and this was Trump president saying these sorts of things, <laughs> our media thinks Trump calling the media fake news and his supporters <laughs> chanting CNN sucks within earshot of poor Jim Acosta is a threat to democracy. One, first off, is certainly a threat to the physical safety of Jim Acosta and all other reporters just saying CNN sucks and shouting that at a rally. Uh, and then, of course, it would, saying that the media's fake news puts our First Amendment uh, in yeah. great peril. Right. But Biden calling half of America fascist and a threat to our, to our democracy, it's either crickets or it's cheering from our media, especially if you watch MSNBC and CNN, which Chris does, so I don't have to, and I'm sure they've done that. <laughs> but, you know, but what do you do? What do you do with fascists and uh, threats to our democracy, to the very fabric of our nation? Do you just let them go on with their uh, with their activities? No. This is a real this is a real danger. And in fact, this rhetoric is a real danger. You can't it's hard to have calm rational conversations about policy. It's hard to to you know go back to a quote unquote normal America where we're allowed to disagree when the president of the United States is characterizing half of this country as fascists fascists are what we went to war in europe to annihilate uh, 70 years ago so what do you do with these people uh you know i, I really think that you know the, the, i don't want to overstate it but this kind of stuff <laughs> is very dangerous i mean we had you know th- there actually are fascists in this country and they call themselves antifa they call themselves anti-fascist so they can go around being fascist thugs on the streets um but if you are a fascist what do you do? You assault people on the street. You burn down cities and businesses. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Antifa thugs were assaulting people coming out of a Trump rally in Chicago during the 20, uh, 2020 campaign. I remember that because it wasn't that long ago and I saw it on television and nobody cared. Nobody was arrested. Old people walking to their cars at, at the University of Chicago where Trump had a rally were assaulted. And eh, no, no, no big deal. People, I mean, there's clips all over the place and the media treated it as if it was just a normal political thing, because of course, Trump is terrible. Trump was the so-called fascist. So all actions to oppose him are just fine. Uh, I re- also remember when a senator, Rand Paul, and his wife were attacked leaving the White House during the you know so-called COVID Republican convention that had to happen at the White House because you know we couldn't have any public events back then. Uh, well, that was just fine. Nobody cares. That's actual fascism. The people that, you know, were were protesting the the January 6th, uh, on January 6th, protesting the election because they didn't think it was on the up and up. Yes, it was a ride. It got out of hand. It is nothing compared to what Antifa did the entire summer. And again, that was all fine. And now we have the president of the United States, again, calling half the country a threat to democracy and fascists because they oppose his radical leftist agenda. And, you know, I don't know. It, it, does he want people? Does he really want violence in the streets? And actually, I think this is where this ac- is actually going. I think that the media and this president and the, his spokesperson and the and the, and his party are trying to incite violence by Republicans, by the MAGA extremists. I wonder if we're going to, you know, if, if we, I wonder if MAGA Republicans are going to take the bait. We'll see. They want it. They want another January 6th, but they want it 10 times bigger and they want it in
0: seven 17 different cities i guess this
1: chris, is da- he- this is dangerous man this is dangerous
0: i don't i don't know what else to say chris you uh you told me you you mentioned right before we went live that joe biden is doing a unity speech or something like that tonight <laughs> do you think he's gonna kind of turn around in some of this labeling everybody's fascists or do you think he's gonna
2: double down on that rhetoric I think that's yet to be determined. I doubt that he's going to have a uh, a message where he's calling for the unification of uh, the American population. Um, you know, I think Jim just hit a lot of the, you know, the big points here. I, I just want to add a couple things. I think this is just classic projectionism. I think that the uh, Democratic Party and I I don't like to do this, you know, where it's us versus them. But I do think that a lot of the leadership in the Democratic Party, if you want to call it the, the far left or the, you know, the progressives they are actually engaging in fascistic uh, behavior and they've been doing it for the past couple of years. And, you know, they are turning around and then saying, well, actually you're the fascists. And it's Mm -hmm. just completely not true. Um, it's, it's sad that, you know, that, that this message is being, uh, you know, given by people in positions of such power, but I think it's, it is, uh, just projectionism. And, um, I also think that uh, the Republican Party has to, you know, stand up and and actually uh, come up with the message to oppose this. And I think part of the problem is that the Republican Party is not having a coherent, cohesive message about Mm. what they stand for. So it's easy to to, you know, tar and feather the GOP right now because it seems like they're just kind of waiting in the wings, not really doing anything. And unfortunately, you do get some, uh, you know, GOP members such as Lindsey Graham, who say stupid things like, well, if Trump's indicted, then there's going to be riots in the street. And that plays like, right into the left's hands. So I, I you know, I think this is, I, I think we are, we are in campaign mode now. I think that Biden's speech tonight is going to be the, uh, you know, the official launch of the uh, the Democrats Uh, uh, 2022 midterm election strategy. And I do think that that strategy is going to be trying to portray the Republicans as these, you know, fascists and they want to take away your rights. And like Jim said, yes, I've been watching dutifully uh, CNN (laughs) and MSNBC the past couple of days. And they've been, and I I have been noticing a pattern that they are working in lockstep in that, in that message. And the Hmm. message is, is that, these ultra mega Republicans are a very dangerous, you know, set of, uh, you know, people, and we must, must make sure that they do not, uh, win, you know, uh, Congress. And we must make sure under any circumstances that their, their leader, Donald Trump is never, you know, able to run again in 2024. And I think that that's what this is all about.
3: So (sighs) It's just, I, getting,
0: it's just getting worse and worse all of this is just getting worse and worse and like mm-hmm. the like the media and everything is just getting like more and more partisan like it's it's i don't know we're on a bad trend line here folks <laughs> we're well, on a very bad well, trend line
2: well and and donnie just you know like i guess my my last uh thought on this is that it is uh you know pitting americans against americans sure. and i'm I, I am personally trying not to devolve into that. And I have a lot of friends on the left and, you know, I just met up with a couple of my old friends and they're, you know, big time leftists, but you I, know, I, I just didn't engage in, in this kind of stuff.
0: I, you know, I've said it a million times on this podcast. I'll say it again. It, the, the average uh, Republican thinks the average Democrat is ignorant, not stupid, mm-hmm. just unaware of some of the facts that bring a full context into the picture of some of these complex policy issues. Right. The other side, the average liberal thinks the average Republican is evil. They yeah. think they're a fascist. So how do you how do you try to like, you know, I, I could see the worldview of the liberal that wants to protect the world from climate change and all these things that we're going to talk about uh uh, replacing gas-powered cars with electric vehicles i understand that worldview i think it's ignorant and i think it's not taking in a bunch of important facets into the conversation but the other way around they think we just want to destroy the planet <laughs> like that's the how do you compromise on those two things you can't do it you just have to label it fascist or racist or some type of other ist and just kind of blot them out of the conversation that's the whole thing and that seems to be what uh joe biden and the biden administration is, is doing
1: yeah i mean the the easiest way to understand the left is to just always be thinking that almost everything that comes out of their mouth is projection. They're projecting actually their own beliefs and values on their political opponents, and in this case, on half the country. Uh, you know, and Joe Biden, you know, the great uniter, saying things like this, and he's going to continue to say it because it's a cynical ploy to um, at least mitigate the losses that they expect in the uh, midterm elections in November. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 all projection I mean, where are the where are the where, where are the, the mobs of of MAGA Republicans burning down cities? Like, again, like we saw in 2020 all summer long, those were Democrat voters. If they voted at all, they would definitely would have voted Democrat. Where where are all the Republican rioters? Where are they? They want they want to get them out there on the street, but they just don't exist. So they're projecting what they're what their own, frankly, are guilty of on their political opponents. And, you know, Joe Biden has always been a nasty piece of work and he proves it every time he opens his mouth on the campaign trail.
0: Yeah, well, we got a lot to talk about. So uh, surely let's, let's this, is a, this is a this thing that we can talk about probably every week for the next yeah. several years. But uh, let, let's get to our main topic here so we briefly discussed i think maybe last week maybe the week before that uh, a plan from california to ban the sale of gasoline powered cars by 2035. 2035 seems like one of those years that's painted at like the beginning of some type of science fiction movie from like some 80s science fiction movie that we've been watching but it's not that far away folks we're in 2022 already so it's not that far away well now several other states are doing the exact same thing So I'm reading from an article from The Hill, and the the article starts off saying the Clean Air Act grants California the ability to impose emission standards on new vehicles that are stricter than those at the national level and which other states can then follow. As long as states' standards are identical to California's, they are not permitted to adopt them without government approval. This week, the state of Virginia revealed that it is bound by a 2021 state law to also phase out gas-powered cars by 2035. However, Attorney General Jason Marea's office said in a statement, it hopes the state uh, repeals the law so Virginians are not bound by California's policies. It says a total of 15 states have backed California's zero-emissions vehicle requirements, while Washington, Oregon, Massachusetts, and New York have taken steps to follow suit. So, uh, f- I tried to find the list of states, um, so this is probably mostly accurate, but take it with a grain of salt here. California, New York, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Washington, Oregon, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, Colorado, Minnesota, Nevada, Virginia, and New Mexico all seem like they're moving forward with this plan to ban the sale of gasoline-powered cars by 2035. I am a little speechless over all of this. Chris what's what's your initial take?
2: Well, my initial take is that this is it just it, it America's not ready for this I, you know at, at on any level um you know Gavin Newsom uh, has come out and announced that California is leading the way and that they are going to ban the sales of new gasoline powered cars in just 13 years. And they are saying that they want 60% of their new car sales to be uh, EVs by 2030. So this is going to happen, you know, over the course of the next 13 years uh, in basically five year increments uh, starting in, uh, I think, 2028 or so. Um, but, you know, it, it <laughs> we're just not ready for this, you know, and and, and, and Americans do not want uh EVs uh and and Americans cannot afford EVs and EVs are not you know ready uh to be uh you know replacing uh gasoline powered cars yet so i think this is going to be a a a debacle and i think that this is going to blow up in their face because right after uh, he announced this decision, the system operator for the California electricity grid said, Oh, actually don't don't plug in your your electric vehicles <laughs> between the hours of four and nine o'clock because our electric grid is so stressed out right now that we can't even charge electric vehicles. So I just oh, think we're, we're gonna another, get to that. Yeah, but this is just an ill-thought out plan from the beginning. You know, I think this is just, you know, their their typical uh, you know desire to control the American people and then you know they've got you know other motives at hand you know they they you know this is a money making opportunity for them um and I just think that it's a slap in the face to you know hardworking Americans hardworking Californians especially who cannot afford this, but they're just yeah. being told like you're you are going to have to do this
0: yeah Jim I mean I, I think when we originally talked about this, um i i still warned people like hey you know it might be crazy california doing this but you know usually they're the first domino when it comes to a bunch of states kind of following the lead but even when i was putting out that warning when we originally talked about this i still thought like ah this is crazy but now it's like 17 other states are are kind of following suit or 15 other states depending on which ones you're counting uh seems like we should start really taking this seriously what what do you think
1: well, uh, the the new governor. well, Yeah, those those 13 or 15 states decided, OK, whatever California does, uh, we'll we'll follow suit uh, since that <laughs> they made that decision that was made under a Democrat governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe, I believe, in Virginia at the time. And now they have a new Republican governor who says, uh, no, we're not going to be doing that. Uh, I guess they need to pass a law to repeal that or he can just take the lead of uh, our federal government and our president and just uh, declare what the law is mm-hmm. and uh, follow it that way instead. But uh, yeah, it, it's madness. Uh, I think what we're seeing and we're seeing increasingly, and I hope we're going to talk about um, you know, the energy crisis that's, that's sweeping Europe right now sure, and hitting yeah. especially the United Kingdom very, very hard, is that uh, the wages of green virtue signaling are starting to come due. Uh, the bills are coming due. Uh, it, is very, it, is, it is turning out to be very expensive and not just inconvenient, but disastrous to uh, our way of life. Uh, Again, Chris brought this up, you know, California is starting, they put out a press release yesterday and starting today uh, through Tuesday, a heat wave and they want people, you know, they call it a flex alert. So it's apparently just voluntary for right now that you're supposed to, you know, turn out all of your lights, put your thermostat at 78 degrees, uh, you know, try to turn off, you know, again, turn off as many lights as possible, unplug your toaster, because it takes just a little bit. It takes uh, it, all your appliances take a little bit of uh, energy out of the plug even when it's not being used. Uh, so they want you to do all of those things for now, and for now it is voluntary. But on top of this, the idea and how many, I, I didn't look it up, but I can't imagine how many electric vehicles um, exist in the state of California. Like what percentage? I can't imagine it's more than maybe five percent. That's probably on the very much on the outside. That five percent of vehicles on the road in California are electric cars and not uh, the the normal car internal combustion engine. How are how are they supposed to? Where's the power going to come from when 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 they don't when they don't allow the sale of an internal combustion engine car anymore in 2035? Where's it going right. to come from in California? California right now, by the way, imports a third of their energy from other states. Um, they could be completely energy independent as a state, but they're not because um, they keep. Taking their own uh, reliable natural gas and coal plants and, and nuclear plants offline and replacing with wind and solar, but there isn't enough energy. So they have to import it from another state. So, like the, the entire the idea that California's going green is complete, complete fraud to begin <laughs> with. But you can't, you know, I, I, we've been saying this on this podcast for a long time. It's not practical. V- electric vehicles, they may be smart, they may be a good solution for some people. They are not practical at this time for most people what if you live in a, so here's another example. I mean, where are all of these uh, plug-in, where's all the plug-in availability going to happen? Say you live, the left wants us all to live in high density communities. Let's just say you're not even in New York City or Manhattan or Queens or something like that. You're in a suburb, you're in a newly built suburb uh, that instead of, you know, individual homes with like a quarter acre for everybody or a half acre for everybody, you know, we, we build these seven, eight story condos for people. Where the hell are all the plugs going to come in for all the parking spaces? A lot of people, if they're in an apartment, they get one parking space. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're down to one car. Every single, how are we going to retrofit all of these existing condos with parking spaces with all of these plugins? How's that going to happen? How's that even practical? And you know, th- we are not ready for this, as one of our uh, viewers here on YouTube said. Elon Musk has even said this, and he's right. the most he, he's made his fortune building <laughs> I electric about vehicles, that. <laughs> and he said we're not ready. Yet, this is the way the left always goes about their business. They can't win arguments. They can't get, you know, in in the state, you know, like this, you can't get people to vote for this. You just impose, via fiat, things that are impossible. And Uh, then with magical thinking, suddenly we'll get to this future if we just demand it. If we just make it mandatory to get to this electric vehicle future, it'll happen. Uh, it's, It's nonsense.
0: Yeah, I, I, you you address a, a bunch of things that I want to get into specifically. <laughs> uh, one of them has to do with something that was mentioned in the first topic that we were discussing was just kind of like the media's role in all of this. But I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So just to kind of add on to all of these states plans to get rid of the, the gasoline powered car, there, this is seemingly in tandem with a number of different policies going on around the world. So I just got have a couple of them pulled up here. So um, we might have talked about this as well last week. I don't remember exactly, but there was an announcement that Australia Bank, a major Australian bank, it's called Bank Australia, said that they were going to be ending loans for gasoline powered cars within the next couple of years. So it quotes the chief impact officer of Bank Australia, and she says that because the change to electric vehicles needs to happen quickly, that's why they're doing this. So it says the the bank added this impact officer believes that uh, that could happen with the right supporting policies in the place to bring greater range and more affordable electric vehicles to Australia. So not that these policies are already in place, but that that could help this process. So they're already just moving forward with it. Right. It says on that front, also on Friday. So the same day, apparently, that this was announced by Bank Australia saw Australian government provide information about plans to set up a national electric vehicle strategy for the country with a discussion paper on the matter due to be released for consultation. So at the same day these announcements were made, uh, this this private public coordination seems right out of the pages of The Great Reset, if you ask me. Uh, Chris, well, you know what? I, I won't even go to you yet. Hang on, because I got another one of these. So uh, this is this is a this next story is only like a month or two old, but uh, the EU lawmakers voted to ban new gasoline powered car sales. Guess what year?
3: 2035.
0: 2035. Yeah, it's the the magic year. Very eerily similar plan here. So it says in this article, I'm reading from a CNBC article, European lawmakers have voted to ban the sale of new diesel and gasoline powered cars and vans in the European Union from 2035, representing a significant shot in the arm to the region's ambitious green goals. So, Jim, I read that first paragraph specifically to see your head shake back and forth. Not not questioning whether or not this is doable or or what the potential impacts will be and whether or not consumers are going to be left in a lurch or anything like that. No, no, no. It's referred to as a significant shot in the arm for the region's ambitious green goals. You just might as well have put a picture of a cheerleader on there. That that's what I think. So uh uh, Chris, I will go to you. I I, I, I suggested that I was going to go to you first, but uh, so I'll, I'll let you take first swing
2: at all of this. It seems like a global coordination, all with the same ends. Kind of scary. Yeah, it does, definitely does seem like it's all a coordinated effort by governments and corporations to uh, force people to buy things that they don't want. I wrote an article about this a couple of days ago, and I found a AAA uh, poll, and it uh, asked... Uh, likely voters, what kind of car they would like to purchase in the near future, a electric or a a gasoline powered car. Guess what? 75% of uh, the American likely voters said that they wanted to uh, purchase a gasoline powered car Mm -hmm. in the next few years. So Mm. there is not an organic desire among the American people or the European people or the Australian people for this, which is why it is being forced top down by yeah. governments and people, and you know people in power and elites because they want this to happen and they want to force it upon the population and it's yeah, do, you, do you know why well, those
0: I, numbers are probably so low of people wanting an electric vehicle it's because they see stories like this trending on twitter so this is something that me and jim we were, we were talking about this yesterday but uh, a guy uh, this story goes viral this guy shows his bill that he got from his dealership after he took his 10-year-old Chevy Volt in uh, after the battery stopped working. So the bill to replace this battery came out to $3,000. Oh, wait, sorry. I missed a zero. I missed a zero. $30,000. $30,000. And no, I'm not joking. This is real life. And this story caught the attention of the USA Today, where they even did a fact check on this viral story and confirm that it was in fact real. <laughs> so like I think a lot of people have in their mind like this idea that replacing a battery is similar to replacing a battery in a gasoline powered car where it's like oh my battery's not working. I'll go to AutoZone, pick one up for a couple hundred bucks, swap it in and I'll go to the grocery store right after that. No, that's not what it's like. No. These batteries are massive. They're like the size of like like an office desk and they're usually built into the frames of these cars. Changing a battery on one of these vehicles is not something you could do before going to the grocery store that evening. Jim, uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I mean again, this is none of this is practical. I mean, we're living in a in a complete fantasy world and what's really actually kind of scary is that these things are being imposed upon us. Um, you know, Basically, dictatorially, there's, there's fewer, it seems there are fewer and fewer things that we're allowed as Americans to vote on and get our approval for uh, before they're imposed upon us. And these kind of mandates for uh, electric vehicles are part of that. Um, the, the electric car, I mean, I was talking to Sterling Burnett, who's our uh, director of the Robinson Center uh, on Environment and Climate here at the Heartland Institute. We do a show on Fridays, the same time on Fridays, that's called Climate Change Roundtable. You should tune into that as well on this very channel. Uh, but he was talking about how uh, I think the new the the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually a Green New Deal bill instead. Uh, I believe I think it was seventy five hundred dollars. You get cash to help pay for a electric vehicle uh, that's new, um, and can. <laughs> for, the Ford Motor Company announced I think three days later that they were raising the price of their electric vehicles by. $7,500. So <laughs> it didn't matter it, if you got that or not. But there, I think you get a voucher for $5,000 if you buy a used electric vehicle. Who would want to buy a used electric vehicle? I mean, uh, the battery starts to lose its power. I mean, immediately, every time you charge up a battery, any kind of battery, this is not, you know, this is just the way the world works. Again, sure. the environmental left seems to think they can change the way the world works, but they can't. So, a battery starts to lose power all the time. Every time you charge it and charge it fully up, it, it's a little less efficient, and a little less efficient, and a little less efficient. And so, here, like you said, we have a story of a just a ten-year-old uh, Chevy Volt in which the entire battery has to be replaced, and it costs probably at least as much, if not more, than the brand new car would have. You know that brand new Chevy Volt cost at the time. Right. You know, nobody's who wants to buy a used electric vehicle if you got it off the off right off the factory floor. So let's say at peak efficiency, that battery might give you 250 to 300 miles per charge. A seven, eight year old electric vehicle. How many miles do you think it's going to get on a full charge? Probably 100. It's completely useless. And again, to create these batteries, you have to get all these rare earth minerals out of the ground. It it, it, it disrupts the the environment much more than drilling for oil does. The the environmental left never has to answer for these facts. Uh, And this unworkable future, or this future that they have for us that they think is going to be so wonderful and cleaner and better it's completely unworkable, and it actually is much, much worse for the environment right. than than, I, a, than a normal gasoline car. Look, we we have we have kept advancing our technology to clean to make these cars burn gasoline cleaner and better than ever before. We keep the, the, the environmental left seems to try to convince us that we're all still driving around in 1973 Ford Pintos with leaded gasoline. <laughs> That's not the world we live in anymore. Right. Uh, we live in a much cleaner world, and this this new green future is going to be dirtier, worse for the environment, worse for every human on Earth.
0: Yeah, I have to address the comment left here uh, in the in the comments it's from Narrow Landing. Said yes, great reset. Heartland woke me up to ESG, not Glenbeck. So that's in a reference to Glenbeck's book the great reset which uh you know justin haskins was a co-author on i was a primary contributor on um but i, I will say that heartland justin and i woke glenn beck up to esg <laughs> so yes narrow yep. landing going right to the source that is uh that, is, that is a good thing right there i just wanted to promote that um so jim you already kind of touched on this but um the idea that that these states these countries are pushing for this in a time where it seems like energy scarcity is at its worst right mm-hmm. earlier this week i did an interview where i talked about new restrictions being put on farmers across the world that are lowering crop yields and i noticed that it was uh, i noted in the interview that it was extra stupid when you consider the fact that the world is increasingly increasingly experiencing a food shortage and it's like the same thing is is happening right now you already kind of mentioned it and i had seen on social media several versions of this graphic showing two different stories news stories showed side to side the first one being about the ban on gasoline-powered cars from california and the second one being california issuing a flex alert encouraging people not to charge their electric cars and the silliest part about this was those stories were published like four days apart. <laughs> like this wasn't like taking something from years ago and juxtaposing about something that happened yesterday, four days apart. So I'm reading from this, uh, LA times article and, uh, Andy, there's a pretty interesting graphic here. So if you have the article handy, show it up on screen, but it says the worst heat wave of the year is presenting a critical test for California's overtaxed power grid with officials warning, rolling blackouts are possible without major conservation efforts during a week of scorching temperatures. Extreme heat is expected to grip the vast majority of California for at least six days, perhaps even longer. Authorities are worried about power capacity in part because high temperatures are forecast not just for across the inland regions that typically broil this time of year, but also along many parts of the coast. This could mean many more people reaching for the air conditioning during peak hours. So they talk about this flex alert. And if you scroll down, there's a there's a little graphic. It's, uh, it says uh, flex alert announcement and it was put on Twitter. It says a flex alert is in effect for today, August 31st, from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Help us reduce stress on the power grid by flexing your power with some of these tips. Set your thermostat for 78 degrees if health, if, if health permits. Avoid using major appliances. Yeah, because you don't ever use the stove between 4 and 9 p.m. <laughs> uh, Turn off all unnecessary lights. Use fans for cooling. Unplug unused items. And left out of this graphic, but included in numerous other articles talking about this flex alert, is the idea to avoid or delay charging your electric vehicle. So again, put all of this into the context of this story, where they want to move what Jim estimated to be what, like seven percent of uh, cars in California being electric trying to make that a hundred percent and thinking these flex alerts aren't going to like impact that it's just mind boggling. And let's just like stop and dwell for a second on just the fact that we are now living in a country where there's energy rationing. (laughs) Like this is just insane. Like this is a story. This flex alert story is a story from one of the wealthiest states in the wealthiest country in the world. And we're rationing energy. This just seems absolutely bizarre. Uh, Chris, you've been silent long enough. Feel free to jump on any of the topics we've tackled here. Wow. There's, uh,
2: there's a bunch of stuff to tackle here. Um, I, I just, I think it's, it's just, you know, like you said, it's mind boggling that, uh, we are actually having to ration energy. Uh, this is, this is not necessary. This is a self inflicted, you know, wound. So it, and, and, and it's, and it's not going to hurt. People like Gavin Newsom, it's not going to hurt people like Nancy Pelosi, but it is going to harm the people that they claim that they are there to represent, and the people that they claim they are there to defend. The you know hardworking Californians uh, in in the uh, in the uh, California uh, rule to based you know to outlaw the sales of uh, new uh, gasoline-powered cars. They say that they are going to make a huge push to uh, help lower-income Californians afford these cars. The average cost of a new uh, uh, EV is something like sixty thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. yes, yes, they, they'll throw you a seven thousand five hundred dollar uh, you know subsidy, but that is not going to make it affordable for people who are living paycheck to paycheck. And right. you know, under the Biden economy, we are you know, in a, in, a, in a place where many, many, many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They're having trouble making ends meet. The last thing that they want to do right now is be told, oh, by the way, in the next decade or so, you're going to uh, have to buy an uh, electric vehicle because we say you have to. And if you can't afford it, well, then what do you do? I guess you're going to, you know, just, you know, have to rely upon public transportation or, you know, Uber or see. I think this is all part of their, their war on autonomy, And the the gasoline powered car, you know, when it, you know, first, you know, became of age in the early 1900s, that was (laughs) a a huge boon to American freedom because it allowed Americans to get away from the city, to move out in the suburbs. It led to the rise of the suburbs. You know, California at one point in time was the epicenter of car culture here in the United States. And now they're just turning around and they're doing the exact opposite. So this is. This is going to have very, very dire consequences yeah. for the very people that they claim that they are there to represent.
0: Jim, I just told you in the private chat that I was going to tee up some uh, European energy stuff. But I did not expect Chris to jump into what I had this whole episode kind of planned around, which is the idea of just getting rid of the personal automobile entirely. So let me let me uh, touch on that for a little bit. Let's have this conversation now uh, before we dig into it. So I'm going to get a little conspiratorial. I'll just warn you people, a little uh, trigger warning for you. Justin and I have been doing a lot of work looking into the plans of the World Economic Forum because they're the biggest proponents of the Great Reset. They are not shy about all the, the things that they advocate for. If you look on their website for any amount of time, We found numerous articles and papers promoting the idea of abandoning not just the gasoline-powered car, but the entire concept of personal automobiles entirely. So I've got a couple of articles here. There's a million more if you look on their website, but uh, just for the sake of time, I've only got a couple here listed one of them discusses the importance of embracing circular economies where people share cars instead of owning them for personal use there's another one that uh, talks about how cities should diminish car travel and how curtailing cars cuts emissions and, and and can increase the quality of life. And there's an entire section on the World Economic Forum's website called the Global Future Council on Cities of Tomorrow, where they talk about different things cities can do to, to be more green and to incorporate important technologies and to generally become more efficient. And you, <clears throat> you better believe that uh, people owning their own cars do not fit into these plans. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Jim... Am I, uh, you know? Do you think that this is part of the the like the real agenda, or the long term agenda, or do I have to take off the tinfoil hat? No, I think you need a bigger tinfoil hat.
1: I think <laughs> you <need> seven, <laughs> you seven tinfoil. You should put seven tinfoil hats on top of each other just to make sure. Uh, look, there was uh, somebody in the comments that I saw uh, flashing by said that they don't want us to have our own personal cars, and they don't. Um, again, when did we all vote on this? When did we all vote on the idea that uh, people shouldn't have it should be so unaffordable to have a car that nobody can have them anymore? When did we vote on uh, cramming us all into high density housing? When did that happen? I don't remember voting on that. Right. um we are we' are not being represented as free people anymore. We're being ruled it, with the, the, you see these stories they have a they have a bit of a happy tin, you know, tone to them. Uh, and they're trying to convince us that, you know, our betters will rule over us, but don't worry. Trust us. You'll be so much happier. Just just do what we say. Right. Just stop doing what you want and do what we want. And I tell you, you're going to be happier. Just trust us. Sure. Sure. Uh, every time top down ruling, like say in communist country happens, it always results in poverty, misery, and then eventually death. Uh, you know, I don't think, you know, this is a grand conspiracy, you know, not not owning personal vehicles is some kind of grand conspiracy to kill us all, but it's certainly of the mindset that we are, that our betters are ruling over us Mm -hmm. instead of carrying out the will of the people, the will of the people and the leftist agenda are completely incompatible because left to their own devices, free people will make their own choices that are good for them. And, And, and again, another hallmark of all of this, and you, you touched on this earlier, Donnie. Do you think, uh, you know, if we're going to save the environment, we have to all go into electric cars to save the environment, which is not going to happen. It's not going to save the environment. Let's just say that that was the case, though. You know, is uh, Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi and Harrison uh, Ford and all of these rich people, are are they going to give up their private jets? Are they going to are they going to turn down their thermostat? Do you you think Nancy Pelosi is going to turn her thermostat up to 78 degrees this weekend, Labor Day weekend, if she goes home because of the energy crisis? Hell no. That's what you're supposed to do. Our ruling elites don't do any of the things they want us to do, uh, which makes this entire thing even more absurd. And it it needs to be
0: resisted by everybody. I just can't help but think about the the idea that you know, during COVID, only the ins- essential employees could work and all of that. And I just wonder in these times of flex alerts and energy rationing in a time where we all have electric vehicles, is there not, is it so incomprehensible to think that we might have only an essential people that need to charge their cars can only have the ability to do it between four and nine, because we're in a flex alert. So only essential people can can charge their cars. I mean, I'm sorry if this sounds conspiratorial but i remember things that we talked about like months ago sounding conspiratorial being fact a couple of months later so i don't know call me a conspiracy theorist if you want call me a radical mega republican if you want but it just seems like this is the path we're going down and i'm just kind of looking a little bit further down that path uh chris you out wanna... you're out of your element <laughs> <laughs> chris you want to add on to this and then and then i do want to get to the china story
2: I think it's an attack on freedom. I think that we've, you know, basically just, you know, explained what this is all about. This is about elites and, uh, you know, people who think that they are, you know, capable of micromanaging our lives, saying we know what's best for you. Listen to us and just do as we say. There has never been a societal discourse on the issue of whether or not you know Americans want to transition to electric vehicles. You know, that should be something that we make a decision as a nation. It should not be something that should be, you know, just pushed down our throats. But not not even not even as a nation on an
0: individual basis, you know, like, yes, voluntary interactions. We don't need a a democracy, uh, a simple majority vote. To deem, you know, forty nine percent of the people that want to stick with gasoline powered cars to be moved to the side. Like this is an
2: individual thing, right? No, but I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that this. It it seems to me that in the past few months or so, that this has just, you know, gained a lot of momentum. And I've, you know, seen Pete Buttigieg, and I've seen a lot of people just come in and say, no, this is happening. Whether you like basically whether you like it or not, so you better just get on board. There was never a, you know, like a, a. a, an organic, uh, you know, conversation about this. There, right. it, it just, it just, you know, has been, uh, you know, coming from the top, and you know, the American people have not been allowed to have their say on it. You know, th- for example, in California, the uh, California Air Resources Board, CARB. It's, uh, I think it's 13 people. They voted unanimously to make this rule go through. This was not a referendum <laughs> on the California on the California ballot. Oh, so it must the, have been the,
0: quite a debate. Un- so <laughs> unanimously. Passed yeah,
2: unanimous. It. Yeah, right. Yeah, quite quite the debate there. But you know, California is a, a one party state, so that makes sense. But what I'm saying is that there was never a referendum. This was never debated and and, and you know talked about among the people as to hey, you know, like how do we want to approach this? It was right. just you know just you know, t- like told to us yeah. from, you know, Jennifer Granholm and Pete Buttigieg just saying, no, yeah, it, this it's, is. It, it's so
0: funny. These great reset people talking about stakeholder capitalism are making these decisions without the say of half of the stakeholders. Uh, yeah. uh, Jim, uh, you know, I was going to jump to the China thing right away, but uh, I don't want to, I don't want to leave you hanging with this European stuff. So, you know, we talk about this uh, time and time again on this podcast, we talk about energy and just how much worse it is over there in Europe. Another one of these viral stories that was going around was this small European coffee house that had just got their energy bill for the month. And that energy bill was a thousand dollars. Oh, wait, I missed a zero. Ten thousand dollars for the month for the energy of this of this little of this little coffee house., yep. and it just seems like things are getting worse. So uh, Jim, have at it. Say what you will about uh, this topic, and then we'll move to the China story.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, can can you imagine paying, say, you know, a thousand dollars a month? Uh, you know, maybe th- which comes out to about thirty-three dollars a day for heating and cooling uh, your your home or your business. I mean, here at the Heartland Institute, in our building it costs about twelve hundred, fourteen hundred uh, a month for you know either heating or cooling this place. And then suddenly getting a bill as people in the UK and business owners in the UK are doing that it becomes ten times that amount or or five hundred percent increase. I mean, this this one uh, lady, you know, the, 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 you see it on Twitter. Um, they show their bills, and their bills are instantly skyrocketing 500. You know, because they enter contracts with the energy companies. You know, it's like, well, okay, um, you know, you'll be paying this much this year, and then you get a new contract, and then it's it's 500 higher. And there are there are pubs and coffee shops and small businesses that will be closing all across the UK uh, and and all across, I'm sure, um, continental Europe as well, because this kind of thing isn't uh, isn't sustainable. You know, it, and I really think. You know, the, the media has a lot to blame here because when you uh people are blindsided by this. These people, these poor people in the UK are blindsided. They they right. didn't see this coming. They're just told by their politicians and their media that this is what we need to do. Uh we're all in this together. Uh, you know, and then suddenly their 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 energy bills are up 550 percent. Uh and this is gonna happen in the United States too, because our media is doing the same thing now. Uh, you know, our, our corrupt media just refuses to report on the downsides of these green energy schemes. Um, they, they completely shut out any commentary critical of these asinine and completely unworkable energy plans. And I, I, I'm not even talking about what they should do. You know, when, when you see all these stories, that, like I said earlier, like the tone is all happy and positive. They should at least have somewhere in there in maybe paragraph 25 of a, par- of a 27 paragraph story with somebody <laughs> like say from the Heartland Institute saying, Wind and solar are not going to generate enough energy to keep the lights on in California. We need to look out. They don't even do that. They should actually be doing 10-part series in the New York Times or a documentary on CNN explaining the downsides of green energy because there are a lot of downsides to supposedly green energy. But they don't, they don't do any of these things. So these American, the American people are going to be blindsided when it, it's happening in California. It'll probably happen there first. Energy bills are going to be coming in this winter that are, that are super high. Why? Because of the so-called transition to so-called green energy. Right. Uh, it's going to be very expensive. Energy is it's going to be even more rationed. We are creating an energy-scarce country in the richest, um, wealthiest nation in the history of civilization. For what? For a climate cult and nobody in the in America if you watch CNN and MSNBC you have no idea yeah it's that any of these negative things any any of these negative aspects to the plans that they have in mind they think they just keep getting fed all this propaganda that everything is just going to be
0: wonderful it's a great point it's an absolutely great point because you know when we saw gasoline double you know in just the last several months or something like that we had been talking about how this is just the natural course of things, uh, leading up to that price increase. So I don't think we were shocked about it. We're just like, yeah, yeah, this is what we've been warning about. So yeah, like I can imagine people that are only tuning into the CNNs of the world being absolutely floored by the fact that, uh, you know, gasoline prices doubled. Well, like, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. And this is on purpose, because if the people were warned even slightly, you know, if there was balance in these energy right. stories and these great right. stories, you know, then we never would have gotten this far down the road because sure. the people would have resisted it. But they're not informed. They're not told. And which is why and this is what they wanted. So now we're now, we, you know, they're their plan is to get us so far down the road and have be so committed that we can't turn back. But so, we never would have gotten here if the American people were informed about this
2: gins. from the beginning. Jim, do you do you have any uh, uh, optimism that the American people will make their voices heard on this issue in you know in the coming elections? Jim, say yes or no because we don't have time for
0: you to get any longer. No, answer. I'm just
2: I'm, I'm genuinely curious because I you know I, I I do wonder that if if this is going to resonate with the American people and they're just going to say I don't care what CNN and MSNBC is telling me about how great these uh, EVs are I can't afford it I don't want it and I'm not going to vote for the people who are forcing it down our throats. I mean, Jim. Do, like what I mean do you think that that's possible?
1: No I'm not optimistic
0: okay <laughs> All right we got four minutes left which is plenty of time to cover this last story because it's it's just so ridiculous but uh, remember that trip that Nancy Pelosi took to Taiwan despite China's warning her not to go remember that well I guess we know some of the re- repercussions of that trip now so uh China announced that it was suspending cooperation with the United States in the fight against climate change so uh you know this isn't a shocker <laughs> this isn't a shocker at all we've been talking about how like any cooperation that china has had on the fight against climate change has been nothing but just words no actions really uh you know they they uh were shutting down all of our reliable energy while they're building more coal power plants by the day over there so it's it's kind of a joke and, and you know I, but i wanted to address this because a, I think it kind of shows just how serious China took climate change in the first place. And the answer is not very serious. If Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan means, yeah, screw it. We all want to die from climate change now. I don't think you're actually taking it that seriously. But it also, it also kind of just, I don't know, it just kind of shows how uh insignificant any of the things that we had just talked about for the last 55 minutes of this we can destroy our uh, car sector you know in in the effort of trying to fight climate change we can we can break our backs trying to go carbon neutral uh, we can go back to the stone age if we really wanted to to protect ourselves about global warming and it's going to do nothing because China is by far, the biggest emitter of CO2 in the world. In fact, I'm reading from an article from uh, our very own Sterling Burnett that was posted in Town Hall, which is in the show notes if you want to read it. But it says, China emits more greenhouse gases than every other industrialized country on the planet combined. So the fact that they're saying, yeah, screw it, we're not doing anything about climate change, should be a big deal. But when you Google this, Sterling's article is one of the only ones that come up. So, uh, so Chris, any any thoughts on this, uh,
2: announcement by China? It doesn't surprise me much, but I, I think that this goes back to, uh, you know, we're just past the one year anniversary of Biden's, uh, you know, terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I think that that was a a tipping point because I think it showed, uh, countries like Russia and Ukraine that the United States is not the superpower that it was, you know, before Joe Biden, uh, entered the presidency and it, and it is important. Emboldening these countries to do things like this, and I think Iran's another example. And I think that uh, the only the only way to reverse this is to to get tough on China. I, I was very very um, proud of the Trump administration for their get tough on China policy. They you know renegotiated a bunch of you know terrible trade deals, and as soon as uh, President Biden came into office, China started reneging on those deals. And now, you know, China's saying, fine, if you want to, you know, play hardball by uh, having uh, the Speaker of the House go to Taiwan, we'll play hardball, too. And and I think that this is going to be the uh, just, just the beginning. I think we're going to see a lot more of, you know, China's saber rattling in mm-hmm. uh, the months to come. Jim, I'll give you a final word on this and any of the topics that we've covered this episode.
1: Yeah, the so-called Paris Climate Accord that supposedly saved the planet from destruction uh, exempted China from this anyway. So I don't even actually understand why this is even news. China Mm -hmm. has never cooperated with the green agenda and never will cooperate with the quote-unquote green agenda. Uh, And it doesn't matter because even the United Nations, uh, IPCC, if we did everything they said to save the planet, the difference in temperature 100 years from now would be so small you couldn't measure it. And so um, that's why you have to wonder... Is all of this just is all this really to save the planet or is it to control people? And the answer is the latter.
2: Uh, And and Donnie, I think it's also part of a larger conversation with China. You know, here we are two and a half years after the pandemic. Uh, Has anyone ever going to figure out uh, how the pandemic uh, really began in China? Uh, (laughs) You know, I, I, I think that China is is much more of an enemy than a competitor. And I think that it's, uh, you know, it's going to be in our best interest to view them that way. And I think this is them just thumbing their nose at America once again. Chris,
0: stealing the last word. Anyways, that's going to do it for this episode of the In the Tank podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining, this, joining us this fine Thursday at noon Central Time, where you can catch us live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter. Join the conversation. Throw your comments and questions in the live chat. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Also, make sure to support the channel just by doing a couple of things. Won't cost you a cent. Hit that subscribe button. Share this content leave a comment hit the like button even all of these things help break through those big tech algorithms that uh prevent content like this from reaching more eyeballs also if you'd like you can follow us on twitter at in the tank pod or send us your comments suggestions or questions by emailing us at in the at gmail.com jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you
1: at jay Lakely on twitter at heartland
0: inst on twitter and always visit heartland.org and Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today?
2: StopinSocialism.com. com. We got a bunch of uh, new content going up there every single day, and I hope everyone goes and check it out. And uh, like I, o- I said at the opening, uh, please go and have a great Labor Day weekend with your friends and family. That's what matters. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week.